is the leading cause of fatal and non-fatal injuries among adults aged 65 and older. Falls result in more than 3 million injuries treated in emergency departments annually, including over 800,000 hospitalizations. According to the National Council on Aging, 60% of falls happen in the home, 30% in a public setting, and 10% in a healthcare center. With or without injury, falls highly influence an individual's quality of life. Particularly among the aging population, falls are of great concern as they can limit everyday activities. For aging services professionals, having access to the right tools and resources for fall prevention is imperative to providing the best care possible. Hello and welcome to the Comfort Connections podcast. In this episode, Leveraging Technology for Fall Risk Detection, we are joined by Stephanie Vergbitska, Manager of Strategic Health Programs for Comfort Care Franchise Systems, and Neil Tantinko, Founder and CEO of Connected Home Living. They will share insights, resources, and best practice considerations for aging services professionals. Welcome, Stephanie and Neil. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Stephanie, can you please give our listeners a brief overview about falls and fall risks for older adults? So I like to say that falls are a really big problem in older adults. And what I mean by that is that the CDC says that one in four older adults fall each year. And the result of that is the fear and the impact on life and lifestyle. The CDC recently completed a 16-year study, and what it identified is that falls are happening at an alarming rate. And because of that, they've actually declared them as a public health care crisis. And so when you start talking to older adults, whether they have fallen or have known someone who has, and if you ask, why do you think that person fell or why do you think you fell? Oftentimes the result or the response is, I don't know, I just kind of felt a little woozy or maybe just tripped. But the reality is this, there's always a reason why that fall happened in the first place. The CDC actually says that there are 28 risk factors that lead to a fall. Oftentimes those risk factors are not managed appropriately. And when it's not managed, it is what is leading to falls in the first place. Of all those 28 risk factors, there are what we would define as medical and community interventions that can be addressed to help that individual. So when we look at these 28 risk factors and whether they're clinical, medical, or those types of risk factors that can be managed by the older adult themselves, I always like to highlight some of the biggies because oftentimes we find that older adults don't even understand what is leading to these in the first place as a home care provider and or educator, we always like to share, you know, what leads to these in the first place, but most importantly, what they can do about it. This is where we can see that patient empowerment that so many of us want to accomplish in our local communities. So I'm going to kind of give you just a preview of what those risk factors are, because I always like to take the opportunity of just what they are. So some of the biggies I like to point out are medications. The CDC says that if you're an eight or more, you're more likely to fall than those that are on seven or less, and also types. So you have to look at total number and also types of medications that can lead to falls. There's also something called orthostatic hypotension, big word that basically means it's your body's inability to go from a laying to seated and seated to standing position. 
So sometimes when we get up too fast, we kind of feel like that blood rush coming to our head. That's kind of the sensation that someone might feel if they in fact have orthostatic hypotension. But it's the frequency or the regularity of when that occurs that it could be a risk factor that is going underdetected or managed that could lead to a fall. And there are others like poor nutrition or home or environmental risk factors. But the number one leading cause of all falls in older adults is what we call poor lower extremity strength. When your balance is compromised along with your leg muscle weakness as we continue to lead more sedentary lives, this is in fact what's leading to more falls in the United States and is that number one risk factor. When not addressed, falls keep happening. And if you think about it, most of us fall on two feet either by picking our leg up or foot up onto a stair over a curb or even a door jam in our home, which is where most falls are occurring. Stephanie, that was a wonderful overview. For aging services professionals and those who are providing care to older adults, what are a few other risk factors to consider, especially the impact of chronic diseases on fall risk and potential hospital readmissions? Yeah, sure. So, what we do also start to notice in the healthcare environment is most older adults are living with more than one chronic condition. So the National Institute of Health says those that are six year older are typically living with two or more chronic conditions. And so oftentimes we find older adults as they get older um, just aren't necessarily managing their condition or oneself, maybe like they used to, right? So there may not be that motivation um, or even the, the access to resources that they need to make a difference or know how to manage something appropriately. So when these conditions aren't managed appropriately in the home, as most of our older adults are trying to do their best, um, typically living alone or maybe family lives in another state, we find that oftentimes that these diseases um, get to the point where it warrants then an ER admission or trip to the hospital. And that's a lot of times because conditions that require some kind of medical intervention or support or even support from community-based home care partners like Comfort Care and At Your Side aren't being managed in a way that's promoting healthy outcomes. So when a condition isn't managed through diet or taking medications regularly, or maybe not even just reporting that they're not feeling well, Remember, a lot of older adults don't even like to report that things aren't going so well, because guess what? Everyone in the back of their mind thinks if they tell somebody something's not working the way it used to, they're going to the nursing home. So oftentimes they keep those things that are changing a secret, and then they get to the point where it's so bad that the only option really that is appropriate is a trip to the ER. So unfortunately, a lot of our healthcare professionals are supporting our older adults in this type of environment in what we consider to be an episodic event, right? Something happened in the home that is significant enough that warrants a trip to the ER. And so oftentimes if individuals are in the ER, they're being evaluated and or triaged. Sometimes they get to go home, other times they're admitted overnight, right? For whatever those causes might be. And oftentimes, as these individuals are admitted into the hospital, then they're going home back to where this event may have occurred or back to an environment where they're isolated and alone. The challenge for hospital providers and those of us in the healthcare community that are really trying to 
promote healthy or improved outcomes is that most older adults just aren't sure where to turn or how to best manage their condition. There's a lot of factors at play that sometimes work against their older adults that lead to these continued ER admissions or what we call readmissions. So when we look at hospital ER admissions, hospital overnight stays and older adults, right? The reasons for that is very complex. There's lots of reasons why that occurs. But going back to falls and what the CDC says, I will share with you that it is, it is identified that falls are the number one reason why all hospital ER admissions are happening in the United States for folks 65 and older. They're also the second leading reason for all overnight stays in the hospital. And oftentimes these folks are discharged home like other reasons why older adults are also discharged home as well, okay? So there are older adults in general that are being admitted in the hospital, sent home primarily because of fall, but other reasons why. But there are specific reasons why we keep seeing folks going back to the hospitals. So this is maybe why we see individuals continuing to repeat, go back to the hospitals for falls and other conditions that aren't managed appropriately. So here's what we find. And this is what the CMS also states relative to why readmissions are happening at the rate in which they are. And this has a connection to falls too. So one of the reasons why we see older adults being readmitted is because when they're discharged home, they don't understand their discharge instructions. If you think about it, if you've ever been at a hospital recently, you're either given a one sheet of paper or 15 page <laughs> leaflet that you're expected to read through and figure out where you begin. And if you're in the hospital because of an episodic event that was probably fairly traumatic, you're probably not listening to everything that everyone is telling you. So when those individuals go home, now all of a sudden they're in the hospital, they have to manage something differently in a different way, it becomes a challenge. The second reason why we see a lot of readmissions is a lack of understanding on how to self-manage a condition. So whether it's diabetes, pneumonia, or even falls, we have to remember, like I was saying, with risk factors leading to falls, there are 28 risk factors that lead to a fall in the first place. If an individual was admitted to a hospital because of a fall and it wasn't identified as to why it happened in the first place and we just treated the injury and sent that person home and didn't take the time to educate, most likely there was an underlying condition that wasn't managed appropriately to begin with. And then they go home wasn't treated, and guess what? A fall happens again. The third reason why we see a lot of readmissions is because of medication mismanagement or not following a new medication regimen. So think about it. Most older adults are on average around 10 meds a day. You go to a hospital, what's the first question they ask besides what's your insurance? What's your med list? And if you're taking 10 medications, you may not always remember the frequency, the dose, or even the manufacturer. I have a thyroid condition, and if someone changes the type of drug I get, even though it's Synthroid, but if it comes from one manufacturer versus another, I'm going to tell you what, I'm dizzy for days. So that's another one. Another is the inability to make good choices. So that sounds a little funny, but basically here's what that means, is if you are trying to manage a new condition or want to identify resources in the community, a lot of individuals have a hard time identifying 
what, how to even access resources in the community. And the fifth is just a lack of understanding of how to manage their condition. Why do we do what we do? What are those red flags associated with a condition? And if they change, who do I call and what's appropriate? So a lot of these things are working against older adults that we see in the home. And as a home care provider, I can tell you the number one reason why folks come into our service is because of dementia. And the second leading reason is because of a fall. And folks who have fallen have a greater sense of fear than any other older adult we have ever supported in the history of our company. And because of this, the fear impacts that person from limiting the activities they enjoy or love. And all of a sudden, now we only see that person leaving the home maybe twice a month to go to a doctor's office. And to us, that's not a life that's worth living. It is something that we recognize and want to change. Stephanie, you have highlighted how addressing risk factors that increase one's fall risk can be complex. So thinking about addressing the complexity and being proactive about fall risk prevention and detection, Neil, how is technology being leveraged with at-home care and other care settings? Yeah, so uh, so I'm, I'm not just a, a no, the owner of Connected Home Living, but I'm actually a, a client as well. So before I even started Connected Home Living, uh, still today, I own an assisted living community and a private duty agency. So everything that you're about to hear and see, all predicated from my experience running and operating these uh, these businesses. And so, uh, in 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 the case of uh, my private duty hat, you know, as much as my client would like to hire my caregivers twenty four seven, unfortunately. It's cost prohibitive, plus also there's staffing issues and so forth. So many can only afford so much physical care visits. And when our caregivers are there at the premises, they're compliant. They're doing things that they should be doing. They're eating the right food. They're taking the medications. They're rendering exercises, all the things they should be doing. But unfortunately, once that caregiver leaves the premises, now it's, uh-oh, now what? Well, technology has to play a part. And so, but technology alone is not enough. And so that's why we developed Connected Home Living back in 2015, where we blend both technology and around-the-clock remote care coordination to fill that gap that's missing when caring for these older adults. So everything that Stephanie just mentioned allows us to uh, fill those holes, if you will, right? Starting with the fall. So uh, with our fall detection uh, uh, capability, uh, we have this non-intrusive sensor that doesn't use a camera, that doesn't use a pull cord or a wearable. It's just placed on an area where most commonly falls happen. And when it does happen, 24-7, weekends and holidays, uh, we will know. Like within two minutes upon that fall, right, a call will be made at the patient's home or the client's home. And if there's no answer, we follow the escalation protocols. And if there's no answer from those calls, then we call 911. Because we know, based on studies, if a patient or a client is on the ground for, let's say, an hour or longer, there are irreversible damages right, due to uh, their uh, health or uh, or other factors. So, so fall detection is very key to us, and it's proven very effective, not just in the private home, but actually it works uh, phenomenal in my assisted living communities, right? I've owned my assisted living now for over 23 years and never once, (laughs) 
they've fallen next to the pull cord. It's always, you know, two inches uh, away from it. And so, uh, and, and sometimes they don't even know that it's there to be pulled, right? Especially if you have dementia or some kind of memory impairment. But now with a sensor, 24-7, the second somebody falls, we are all over it immediately. And we are, uh, uh, we attended the, the client right away because we don't want that client resting the ground for a long amount of time, right? So that's our fall detection component, but we uh, we didn't go, but we've taken it a little, a little bit step further. Uh, we've now added wellness monitoring. So uh, the reason why we added that in there is because just because a fall did not occur, it doesn't mean everything's okay, right? So this added layer of technology in my opinion, is, is very valuable because if there's any patterns and uh, of behaviors that have uh, altered, we want to know that too. Like for instance, if the door is open at 2 a.m. and the client has potential dementia, a fall did not occur, but boy, I would like to know that that has occurred. Or if the patient or client has uh, repeatedly used, used the bathroom when they normally use it, let's say twice a day, but today they've already used it 10 times, that's a pattern, uh, a, a pattern change that could be disconcerting. Or maybe perhaps the client is normally up at 7 a.m. cooking breakfast, but over today, it's already noon and they're still in bed. Again, a fall did not occur, but that's a concern, right? So those type of data is invaluable for us to take action and do something about it because as Stephanie mentioned, most older adults don't like to disclose those items. Like they, want, they want to keep it to themselves because they have the fear of uh, being, uh, you know, moved into a nursing home. And then the last piece that uh, I like to talk about is our chronic disease management capability. It's our telehealth solution. And again, you know, many of our clients have at least two chronic conditions, and these chronic conditions, if not taken care of, lead to rehospitalization. They lead to falls. So our telehealth solution allows us to gather data about each client's condition, you know, we take their vitals, we ask key questions about the chronic conditions, but we also push educational content so they could be more self-aware about how to take care of themselves in the future. But more importantly, once we gather this information, if we come across anything outside that parameters, we are calling the patient immediately, either on live on video or over the phone. But the whole point is don't let matters exacerbate. Let's go after those health issues early on before matters get worse. And that's why our readmission rates are probably one of the most astounding figures in the country. We lower readmission by at least 60%, but we've seen it a lot greater than that. Thank you, Neil, for sharing this innovation and how technology is making a positive impact on the lives of so many older adults. Stephanie, diving more into the impact of fall detection technology, can you share a little information about connected care and how this helps to enhance remote patient monitoring and bridges the potential gaps in care? Yeah, we do. So Comfort Care and At Your Side is really focused on being able to bring in what we call care enhancement programs. So what's important to us when it comes to care, really our philosophy of care, is we want to provide more services that help enhance that individual to live their best life possible. And the way we do that is through what we call our care enhancement programs. And I'm going to go back to psychology 101 on you just to share, because I think it's so important um, in that we think of our care similar to that of Maslow. So Maslow had his hierarchy of needs. And at the bottom of that pyramid, what he says is that in order to just 
be alive as a human being, let's say. You have to have food, water, shelter. But that's not enough to create a life that's worth living. And so as you go through up, you know, on his pyramid and you have different life experiences, it can really drive more what he defined as self-actualization, which is finding meaning and purpose in this world. So comfort care takes that exact philosophy and translates it into what we do as well. And so at the basis of our pyramid is activities of daily living, assisting someone with meal prep, grooming hygiene, all that stuff that typically drives individuals to our services. But again, doesn't help our clients live their best life possible. So for us, we like to introduce things like meaningful activities, things that can help someone still maintain selfhood, um, still find a way to help our clients remain connected, to reduce isolation. And when we do that, that's where we find that our clients thrive in the home. So when it comes to services and using technology, right, this kind of fits into our philosophy of care. So through our care enhancement programs, we have lots of different offerings, things that focus on dementia care through our Dementia Wise program, a program called Gateway that allows us to bring all of this knowledge I even shared with you relative to falls and most importantly, helps our clients feel supported so we see better outcomes. Well, as we were going through our continuum of care and looking at, are we doing the very best? Are we still delivering on our brand mission, which is to help our clients live our best life possible? We actually identified a gap. And where the gap occurred is when we leave the home. So oftentimes when we send in a caregiver into the home, our clients do great. They thrive. They eat well. They are taking their medications on time. They're engaging in their community. They're doing more than going to those doctor's appointments when our caregivers are in that home. We're finding that meaning and purpose and that connection. It's when that caregiver leaves that no one really knows what's happening. That's where the falls occur. And maybe two days later, we see bruises. Or maybe that individual didn't really wanna eat or bother even taking the meal that we had already prepared out of the fridge and just pop it into the microwave because who really likes to eat alone? So as we were starting to discuss this here, even as a team, we started identifying pretty early on, but most recently in the past five years or so, that as we provided more and more care to older adults, that these things became even more prevalent. And so we knew that as a home care agency, we could do something really powerful in conjunction with those types of challenges we were identifying that we knew only technology could provide. So when we look at the home care environment, what we want to do, and I think any home care par partner wants to do, is provide continuity of care, safety, well-being, that's all focused on improved outcomes. The only way you can be really successful at that is if you're in the home 24 hours a day. And while most families or clients would love that, most of them can't afford it. So what we're typically looking at are older adults who maybe receive our care three, four days a week, maybe even eight hours a day. And when we leave, it's got everybody worried. The families don't know really what's going on. We as a provider do our best to still provide check-ins, but we don't have those safety nets that, that we need unless if there's technology and the role it can play in bridging what we call those gaps. So because of that, um, we've always been interested in technology. So we've always had the medical alert device, the personal response system. We even created our own technology. This is a funny story. About 12 years ago, we had a device with a screen 
And it was used, this is just 12 years ago, it was a screen where you could push a button and a screen would pop up like our iPhones and the client or individual could communicate with their family or the agency. And guess what? Everyone reported they hated it. They didn't like seeing anyone on a camera. And that was just 12 years ago. So fast forward, here we are today knowing that our clients deserve more than just the care that they receive when our caregivers are in the home. So what that sort of drove our interest and need in creating, like you mentioned, our program called Connected Care. And what Connected Care allows us to do is take a blended approach of both technology and care. So we have partnered with Neil's company, Connected Home Living, to utilize these products he has highlighted, including fall detection, wellness monitoring, virtual caregiving, and chronic disease management in conjunction with our service. And when we finally blend the two together, this is where older adults can literally achieve optimal wellness. Because when our caregivers are in the home, they can still do the things that our clients love. Our caregivers can still connect with them, support them, and get out in the community together. When they leave, we've created the safety net that allows us to continue to provide support and provide that continuous safety net that not only clients deserve or want, families too. This is so interesting. It's wonderful to see how technology is being leveraged to provide the best care possible to older adults. Oh, yeah. So that's what one of the reasons why we enjoy working with comfort care is that number one, once they, let's say uh, they you, you retain that client of yours, a care plan has to be assembled together. So we take that care plan and we fill the gaps where it's missing. So I'll give you an example. Let's say the client maybe just want to try comfort care for the first time and hire the agency Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, maybe eight hours for each of those days. So uh, during those live visits, you know, comfort care will do its magic, right? They'll do all those ADLs and more and all the things that Stephanie had highlighted. But once that caregiver leaves that driveway, we take over, right? So if we need to provide chronic disease management, uh, first things first, we're going to assign them a live 24-7 remote care coordinating team where their main objective is to keep them away from the hospital, but also to keep them company. And, uh, and number two, we set them up with the appropriate uh, technology platform. So if we need to manage their chronic disease, uh, we supply them a telehealth platform that could be uh, out of utilize on their preferred uh, smartphone or tablet, or if they don't have one, we can supply the tablet and all those medical devices too. But if they don't want any technology whatsoever, we can do everything over the phone. But the whole point of this chronic disease management is to capture data to help us identify red flags early on so we can do something about it immediately. Because let's say I, I stepped on a scale and I had a seven pound weight gain in three days, that would automatically generate an alert and that would prompt a live video call or a phone call to the, to the patient. And then if there's any issues that need to be addressed, we can invite the nurse to join our video call or the doctor or the adult children but the whole point is let's focus on the issue right there and then and let them not sleep on it or walk on it and uh, address those immediately because we know if we don't address certain matters, uh, it could turn really, really bad, right? Uh, but if a fall detection is needed, uh, then we we would help the either the client or the family member or we would uh, work with the agency from Comfort Care to help us install these sensors. It's, it's very easy to deploy. It takes uh, about uh, 15 minutes to uh, get it up and running uh, because we try to have it pre-configured ahead in advance, which means that we 
we would program the system and then it head in advance. So this way, when it shows up on their front door, all we need to do is just place it on the wall, plug it to the plug it to the, to the socket, and it's up and running. All right, we'll just need somebody to to test it real quickly that it's working properly. But once it's on, it is on. We can now begin uh, monitoring these concerns and uh, and not have to really burden the fan members or especially the clients about the uh, the implementation process. So it's uh, and and then when they see it. It's they treat it just like the the light sensor they, they would on their let's say in their kitchen when when it turns on automatically it works almost in the same fashion but with this device it identifies false and other unusual behavior and unusual patterns of behaviors. Now on the topic of care solutions and care transitions, can you share some best practices to ensure a seamless care transition, especially when one's fall risk is a consideration? Yeah, so I'll go ahead and chime in here first. So I think the way we best support care transitions um, and introducing technology into older adults is making it a part of your organization. Technology no longer can really sit on a shelf. It really has to be an integrated solution to your agency and the day-to-day operations and how you support older adults. The future of home care literally relies on the need for technology. We all have it in our daily lives, right? There are Apple Watches and our smartphones, and it's helped us become all connected. So those of us in the healthcare realm or community-based partner, technology provides us all a tremendous opportunity to be able to provide a better support mechanism to the older adults we serve that bridges those gaps. So thinking about beyond, thinking beyond routine in-home care, obviously creates a really great space for integrating technology. So to support this sort of concept of a smooth transition, that means that technology is provided day one. It's not a, do you want this or not? It's really focused on speaking with older adults and their families and starting the conversation with, you know, we cannot continue to deny the associated challenges that come along with aging. Most older adults prefer and want to stay at home. As a home care provider, we're going to help promote and support that every single step of the way. And what we have to do and what we are doing is sharing with those older adults that in order to do so successfully, to age in place successfully, you need to look at the role of technology. Because we work with Connected Home Living, we have a variety of products that allows us to offer a non-tech solution that's still using technology or an actual sensor device like fall detection. So depending on their level of comfort, there's always something that should be offered. When we start talking with our older adults and our families about the role of technology, it has to become sort of in sync with your home care services. And that's how we look at things. We don't just sell home care or technology. We are selling this blended approach that helps older adults achieve optimal wellness. When we bring the tech in, on those times that we're not there. It's creating that safety net. When our caregivers are in the home, they're helping them thrive. And these are types of conversations we have with our clients. And I can tell you, even those that come into our care, not necessarily because of a fall, we even take that opportunity to educate them and selling the fall detection technology becomes a really easy approach because we're helping that older adult understand why they're happening, but most importantly, what they can do about it. And then hitting on some of the things that Neil mentioned, like 
if an event, the, the fall actually does occur, you have to think about, well, how are you going to get support? Is that, you know, watch that you're wearing really going to help if you're wearing a watch who's monitoring the data? Um, so we have these types of conversations to just kind of bring the reality of, hey, things have changed, right? Um, we do need to look at these mechanisms that have been set up and designed to help support you and to keep you in your home. And in the event something happens, we have a solution. So when we look at technologies and integrated solution to helping us enhance care, it's not really supporting a different process. It's just integrating into a conversation that this is the way we do business. And, you know, this is the future of home care. This is what we're starting to see. Um, and many different providers are taking different approaches to what that role of technology looks like. But knowing that most older adults want to live at home, looking at a smart home approach is really important to help support our aging population. If I can carry one more on top of that, uh, everything you said there, Stephanie, is spot on. Um, uh, one of the things I do want to highlight uh, by working you know, with us working closer with, with comfort care, uh, we like the fact that we're now becoming the extension of comfort care because, again, they, you can't be there all the time. And so oftentimes we, uh, you know, the, the information that we, we've gathered and identified, we don't just share it with the family members, but more importantly, we share it back to the agency and letting them know it's like, hey, your client just had a fall and now they have a skin tear on their left elbow. So before your caregiver shows up, let's make sure that, uh, you know, that your caregivers are fully aware, but also uh, let's go attend to that elbow uh, now that it's a lot more, more ginger, right? So that, that symbiotic uh, relationship we have with comfort care allows us to provide that, that continuous care because, again, you know, we can't be there physically all the time. Stephanie and Neil, thank you for sharing your insights with our listeners today and providing aging services professionals with insights, tools, and resources to provide the best care possible. Listeners, visit comfortconnections.com to download complimentary resources, view our show notes, and access our episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast on your favorite app. Thank you for listening and helping older adults live the best life possible.